Uh, yo, what's going on, everybody? It's the Forbidden Technique podcast with your boys Christian and Silas. Uh, back after another unexpected forced hiatus because my computer finally shit the bed and I didn't have anything to record or edit on. And that's why there's probably no music at the beginning of this episode because I just before hitting record realized that I don't even fucking have copies of that stuff anymore. So I guess I'm going to have to like make some new music for the intro. Um, but it's not like uh, we missed much. Bunch of, of fucking middleweights. We, we got more middleweights. At least this weekend's main event is two random middleweights coming off of wins as opposed to last week's where they were both coming off of losses. And uh, there was a, another lighter weight co-main event that I much rather would have seen five rounds of. But I guess we're going to do that one first. Uh, Nasadine Imovov versus Roman Delidze. Uh, I mean, I mean, Imovov uh, kind of beat the fuck out of Roman Delidze really bad in the first round because Delidze has no defense. Uh, but Imovov's not a great finisher and it still should have been stopped. And uh, the ref let it go on and Imovov kind of got tired and fumbled the bag and let Roman Delidze have a stupid, ugly fight with him that sucked for four more rounds. Yeah, the the dynamics uh, kind of switched for the commentary, I think, at a certain point because they stopped being as upset at Imovov for stopping his opponent from, or, or like not stopping his opponent from clinching him to being annoyed that he was himself clinching because in, towards the end of the fight, you could tell that both guys were just wanting to clinch the whole fucking time. It was really frustrating because because he, he got knocked out pretty much like the ref should have stopped it in the first round and just didn't. So then we got a horrible uh, last three rounds. The second round was okay. It wasn't the second round the one where uh, Delizze just smushed Imovov into the cage the whole time. Well, yeah, but I, I didn't know that it was going to be that for the rest of the fight. I was like, oh, okay, they're both tired. They're just taking a break. Like what the live experience, the second round didn't really bother me that much. I was like, yeah, yeah, they're 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 fucking tired because they sh- the fight should have been stopped last round. Yeah, and then there was a stupid illegal soccer kick, and I don't. The whole thing's just like. The whole thing, the whole thing, just blurs together. Was not particularly interesting, and told me nothing about either guy other than uh, Imavov is a bit stronger than I thought he was. Also, Delizze is a lot weaker than I thought he was. Is primarily that more importantly it's one or the other? Because I, I just thought at some point Imavov was kind of going to get host and some silly shit was going to happen, even though he was obviously going to be tuning up Delizze early. Did Delidze even attempt a takedown? Like, did he really go for one? I remember he pulled guard. Yeah, he tried to, like, pull guard into some weird uh, leg entanglement or something. Uh, I just don't know if Delidze has actual takedowns that don't involve first uh, running the dude into the fence and just grabbing hold of him. Does Delidze ever do, like, open space shot takedowns? I don't really think so. So, uh, if he gets you to the cage and is has double unders on you and you can kind of just chill there and not just get hossed around kind of what like what's he gonna do this apparently yeah i i don't hold the fight as much against him just because i think the the first round should it should have been stopped but the lindsay was just so disappointing i 
he he just didn't really make any concerted effort to get his opponent to the ground in the first two rounds, or uh, other than just trying to cl- kind of grab onto him, like you said. And that's just, that's just not a very reliable way to to get a hold of someone and actually get to your good positions, which are normally like just weird spots on the ground. But you you can't find those if you can't create a, a scramble. That's the thing. These normally just happen because uh, an MMA fight just breaks out and someone ends up in a weird ground situation with Roman Delizze where he does some fuck shit. Yeah, and Imovov is like a bit too clean to have an MMA fight just break out unless you're really fucking aggressive on the feet. Well, I think he actually just kind of keyed into that and for the first time in his life made a concerted effort to just uh, have a, a, an all-ranged striking defensive wrestling approach because he is a fucking MMA fighter and he will go for takedowns on pretty much all of his opponents and look look for top control if it's there. But, th- but this one, he was just like... I just didn't think it was going to be a good option, probably. Like, you don't want to grapple with a guy that strong. Yeah, I'm going to end up like Jack Hermanson, who was beating the fuck out of Roman Delidze until Roman Delidze finished him in a, like a, a pretty cool way. It was like funny. Some WWE finisher shit. But um, if that's like your only way of getting stuff done as a grappler, then that that's just that's not going to cut it. It, he's kind of he's just like a less interesting Luke Rockhold to me. Yeah, but at least Luke Rockhold was like a dynamite kicker. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like he doesn't the even thing, have what was the his plan to thing. outstrike Nasadine Imovov. Like Nasadine Imovov is a very, in my in my opinion, a very pale imitation of a slick striker. But is at least an imitation. <laughs> yeah, I I don't think I think Imovov is like pretty okay on the feet. I, I think he's a. Uh, He's he's good and well rounded. Like I, I don't think he's anything special yet, especially with this performance not being too encouraging. But the first round was it looked good. You know, like he, he did well. He's he was fighting an opponent that if you can move sideways against him, then you're probably just gonna beat the fucking shit out of him. Yeah, I mean, if it, if it had ended just ended in the first round when it should, I would have been like, okay, that was pretty tight. Yeah, but so like that, that's more on Herb Dean, or <laughs> it, it was Herb, right? I'm pretty sure it was. I just remember bad stoppages and assume it's him, but uh, it, it could have been one of the other bad referees. Okay, so uh, co-main event, uh, Money Moicano defeats Drew Doba and then swears his allegiance to the police. Yeah. Yeah, he, he really sold us on him in that one. Uh, it was fucking hilarious. Yeah, was a- it was really funny. Oh, he's so funny. I still love him. I he he has great line he's delivery. So, he's, he's fucking hilarious. Um, but yeah, this fight, it was good, but it was kind of like, like Drew Dober runs up to, uh, Anato Moicano and blasts him with the left hand and doesn't knock him out instantly. And I'm like, oh, I think Moicano's going to win now. Yeah. Going into it, I was kind of torn, but coming out of it, I, I feel like this fight is probably what happens most of the time. I, I could see maybe one of them getting a, a finish because... I don't know. Moicano was landing some good shit on Dober. He he kind of buzzes everyone he fights at least a little bit. Uh, he's got a really good one too. Yeah, I mean he's and he's a good counter puncher and uh, like he always puts really uh, like dynamic, hard to read combinations together off of his counters to chase people out of the pocket when when he does land. Uh, 
So uh, it, it wasn't like this fight was only uh, Hanato Moicano by wrestling or Drew Dober by big left-hand knockout. That's kind of how it played out. Drew Dober has pretty good first layer takedown defense, but generally once you can establish position on him, he kind of just uh, gets stuck in his guard and can't really make scrambles happen. And he was in particular really... Uh, conscious of not giving his back in this fight, which to his credit, he avoided apart, apart from in one instance where Moy kind of got the back, but Drew Dober actually just kind of uh, turned and chucked him off and stood up pretty quickly. But most of the fight was kind of just like once Moy kind of got into top half guard, that was kind of the round. Yeah, I thought Moy kind of just, if he was like four years younger this would have been a really easy fight for him and if Dover was four years younger uh he, he would have just gotten submitted probably what makes you say this would have been an easier fight for Moicano when, when he was younger because I just kind of think his chin has actually gotten better at lightweight he got sparked out by Fazeev shit happens but um he didn't get hit by those shots that people remember him getting knocked out by as frequently as people remember it happening is my thought like he he got hit the body by Aldo, which is, is like mostly what got him. Uh, like his his chin was fine. I I don't even really think it's a chin issue because I think it kind of just would have been a bit like the Calvin Cater fight, but with someone that is way easier to wrestle than Calvin Cater. Because he, he got hit some in that fight, but he was like he was for the most part okay and just like chopped at the guy's legs. Dober being really fucking big made it like was kind of the equalizer there to where it still could have maybe been a hard fight, but he he didn't ha- he wasn't like much bigger than Moicano. Oh yeah, that that was another great moment where after the fight, Moicano asked Drew Dober, "What'd you weigh today?" He's one eighty. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> so Mo- Moicano, he he was smaller, but he wasn't as small compared to him as I expected him to be. I I think uh, if Moicano just the the biggest thing I've noticed with him aging is that his hands just seem a bit slower. He's still got the fluidity and, and like pop, but he he's just a little bit slower. And he was already like never a crazy speed athlete. He's just he's just like he's quick, not fast. Okay, yeah. So uh, Randy Brown versus Muslim Salikov. This one made me wish that we did do a podcast because Christian, you can at least confirm that just before this fight, uh, I said uh, I am picking picking Randy Brown to do a long one-two and for Muslim Salikov to be old and not used to fighting someone who's six foot three and think he's further away than he is and he's going to get chinned and die. Yeah, and then pretty much exactly that happened. Yeah, I mean, it was a one-one-two. It was on a really nice angle. What do you want to say? It was a sick knockout. Uh, like Muslim Salikov kind of had some of the right ideas for a guy who quite often just wants to maintain a like a long range uh kicking fight he like realized okay i'm fighting randy brown i actually kind of got to try and like come forward and work the legs and stuff and and then he just uh got smoked because randy brown uh can be pretty slick when he has the right matchup but uh just kind of gets lost in the source sometimes they just didn't have time for that to happen in this fight. Yeah, he aimed the right hand really well behind the 1-1. The uh, and 
I, I don't know. I thought it was pretty impressive. Just like the time he, he used on it. It was, it was like the, the impact wasn't even that clean, you know, like he, he kind of just like knuckled the, the tip of the chin, but his opponent's feet were not in any position to get hit from really any direction. Like he had no foot to bounce back on. He was like completely fucking perpendicular to Salikov. It's still just like jarred his jaw at that like perfect side on angle. Yeah, and he's it, like maybe when he was younger, it would have just buzzed him. But uh, so like, yeah, he, he did look kind of old. So like, you got to take the win with a grain of salt because because Randy Brown, uh, he's probably going to get a step up from this one. We'll see how he does with this step up because he keeps getting step ups and then having mixed results. But he is getting better. Natalia Silva defeated Viviana Arujo by unanimous decision. This fight was like 50% kind of boring, but I am going to blame Viviana Arujo for all of that because she's just like, oh, fuck this. Natalia Silva is too fast. I don't want to deal with any of this shit. I just got to try and get it to the cage and get it down. But it, this just got so much of this fight was stuck in um, Arujo clinching Silva up against the cage and Silva being able to defend the takedowns, but not able to just like uh, break the clinch and turn out of that position and just being stuck in that stalemate for so goddamn long with Arujo throwing shitty knees. Um, then the rest of the fight was just like Natalia Silva styling on Viviano Rujo on the outside uh, as one would have hoped uh, this fight it definitely shows that Natalia Silva she's got a long way to go yeah it shows some of the deficiencies with her general mechanics and defense when she's fighting someone who's just like actually a physical parity with her in some regard because when she's fighting like uh, a Jasmine Jastavisius, who I enjoy as a fighter, she looks like fucking Edson Barboza. Um, but still, like solid win in the flyweight division. There's not really a lot of places she goes from here. You know, she can fight like Caitlin Chukagian, someone like that. But generally, if you beat Viviana Arujo, you're like one fight away from a title shot. And they got that, uh, they got a fight between Aaron Blanchfield and Manon Fioro coming up, which, well, will definitely be the next fight for Grasso. Should be, although really could just give either of them a fight with Grasso now. I don't know why they're making them fight each other and just bumping off a contender like that. But, um, you know, Silver could fight the loser of that or... I think Caitlin Chukagan's fighting Macy Barber, so she can fight like the winner of that fight or something. I still like Natalia Silva, even though this fight showed us some of her flaws, because it is still her fault that she couldn't get out of those really boring, ugly clinch positions. But it's to her credit that she showed a lot of urgency whenever she did get back to a range where she could get shit done. Yeah, it was it was kind of like the main event. It's kind of the same dynamic. One person's they they get a lot done anytime they they get a little bit of range, but. Uh, then they get fucking clinched. <laughs> and then eventually they're like, oh my god, the clinch just sounds pretty fucking nice right now because I've been going sideways for fucking 11 minutes. Yeah, um, Ali Ashkab Kisriev just like uh, 
ripped Mahmed Moradov's eye out in 11 seconds. Nice eye attack. Um, it was pretty, pretty slick. Oh, this really fucking pissed me off. Like, there's just no excuse. But this really should have been a DQ, in my opinion. Even though you want to say, oh, this was accidental eye poke. There is no fucking reason that this kind of thing should happen. Like, why are you just running up to your opponent, just brandishing your outstretched stretched fingers directly in, in their face? Just put your fucking fingers in. This this is absolutely Kizriev's fault. Ah, it, it just just makes me so mad. Uh, Charles Radke knocked out Gilbert Urbina with a left hook and then another left hook. It was yeah. pretty tight. Urbina's kind of like... He's kind of easy to just blow over if you're a good-sized welterweight, it feels like. Charles Ratchie's not a not a huge welterweight. He's he's like not partic- particularly tall for the division, but he is like he's stout, you know. Yeah, it was a nice ass left hook. Yeah, yeah. Timed it great. Yeah, uh, Molly McCann wiped the floor with Diana Belbita because I don't know, I don't know why they bothered making this fight. This is I think this was like a thirty twenty six last time this fight happened. Uh, you know, the UFC just loves Molly McCann because she, she has a weird, specific regional draw. And I enjoy Molly McCann, but I'm under no illusion that... That fight was awesome. She's ever going to be a thing. Oh, it was badass. Like, absolute credit to Molly McCann that she gets someone who's actually way below her level because the UFC's trying to give her a showcase and she goes out and absolutely fucking obliterates her opponent and finishes with a nasty armbar. It was badass. Yeah, for me, it was Cyborg versus Leslie Smith 2, but in one round. And that fight was sick. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like, just a, a complete fucking ass beating. Just trying to sh- demonstrate how fucking good you are in a rematch against someone that you've already beaten before and you know you, you, you've got their number. Like, the confidence for her to just go up and just start beating the shit out of her. And and everything she landed really fucking affected her opponent. Like like Belvita was not was not chill with uh, any any sort of striking exchange at a certain point. And then the, even the grappling wasn't safe for her because she was getting outstrengthed the whole fight. And Molly McCann went with a crazy like twenty punch combo uh, and like a few flurries <laughs> just in the first couple minutes. Yeah, and then did like nine spinning elbows in a row and then some like flashy kicks and then got a takedown and, and finished with the nasty armbar. She's just like, I'm going to do all of MMA. Yeah, good ground uh, and pound. Yeah, you, you know, I enjoy Molly McCann, but just don't expect her to have any like real high level success in the division. That's fine. Hey, we don't know that. Maybe this was the start of something. That was the Charles Oliveira performance. You're right, she is basically Charles Oliveira. I think she's got like the same record he had at that point. I mean, she gets submitted all the time like Charles Oliveira. Uh, Charles Johnson fought uh, at Maxim. Uh, this fight did kind of warm me to Charles Johnson, who is just one of those guys who I've always hated for literally no reason. You know, you got to just have those guys. Uh, it, it, uh, yeah, everyone knows what I'm talking about. Um but this was a pretty admirable performance from him. Uh, as that uh, Maxim came out like just going hard as a motherfucker, dropped Charles Johnson in the first like what was it like ten seconds or something, maybe thirty seconds, um, and jumps on a dash choke that looked deep as hell. But uh, 
Charles Johnson is a really solid defensive uh, wrestler and grappler. And um, he's just tough as fuck. Yeah, he really is, and genuinely made good adjustments throughout the fight. Uh, uh, you know, as Maxim spent most of the first round just kind of chasing him around, beating his ass, and uh, Charles Johnson started to pick up some really nice takedowns and really started to just key into the timing on uh, Maxim's straight shots, was doing well to, like, uh, duck under and get into good wrestling situations. The second round I kind of thought was closer watching it live, uh, but it's one of those that you see the stats and you know, I, I think I just realized that like a lot of the exchanges were so frantic that it just looked like a lot more was actually landing than it was but uh, yeah Charles Johnson just uh, he got more done down the stretch and finished with a really solid takedown to get into mount and was beating Maxim's ass by uh, the end of the fight so yeah I guess I guess uh, Charles Johnson's fine now I can just go back to just hating Vince Pichel for no reason yeah I think Maxim is is Still pretty promising. I, I, oh, it was a good fight. It was a good fight, and it was still pretty close throughout. And uh, yeah, Maxim's a really exciting, dynamic fighter. I, I don't think the fight was like hard, a hardcore robbery. I just I think that uh, didn't we didn't we like conclude that it, it probably should have been a draw? Yeah, the first round kind of should have been a ten eight. Thinking about it, because Charles Johnson gets dropped twice and doesn't really land much at all and is in a in a choke for a while which is like a very strong position a really deep choke as well that um it really is genuinely pretty impressive that charles johnson was able to survive particularly after getting buzzed so hard at the beginning of the fight uh yeah he, he still should have been fighting for a draw even if you give him the last two rounds i mean he definitely won the third round really strongly but still not enough to like get the 10-8 back in my opinion yeah, I, I score like I, I not whenever I'm actually trying to score a fight, but like personally, I score like psychic damage in a fight. Like Charles Johnson was very dejected in the first round. You know, that's that's a ten eight. It just so happens to also fit the rule set this time. Uh, Samba Garimbos ran up and knocked out Pete Rodriguez. Yeah, Pete Rodriguez not having a good run of it, but Thembo uh, Garimbo is. He uh, seems like pretty pretty good, so. They they were setting him up to, to get a win here. Yeah, I mean, what else happened? I mean, Luana Carolina didn't get armbarred in a minute by Yulia Stolyarenko and then beat the shit out of her. It was kind of badass. The rest of the card was meh. Jun Young Lee uh, did a nice body shot. It's pretty tight. Okay, so this weekend coming up, we got Jack Hermanson versus Joe Pfeiffer. Um, I'm kind of excited for it. Relative to the other uh, middleweight main events we've been getting every single fucking week, uh, I I kind of like Jack Hermanson more than than most of the established guys that they're trying to use as cannon fodder for the the young athletic prospects. In this one, I like Joe Pfeiffer as a, an athletic prospect. He seems pretty cool. Yeah, he's, I just don't, I don't know why the the. The UFC brass seems to just be obsessed with him and like so excited to get him in a main event as quickly as possible. Uh, he's a he's a fun banger. He's like he's got some moves. Uh, he's a little bit like Jack Della Maddalena, less good. Just a really dedicated pressure boxer. Uh, likes to walk people down behind a nice jab and 
Uh, he's pretty like defensively aware to punches coming back to him when he's pressing forward. Um, he's got pretty nice mechanics on his power shots uh, and nice body head combinations. He, and yeah, just likes to use that jab to like draw out exchanges while he's pressuring to like kind of duke shit and come up with big overhand counter right hands or like uh, chase someone down with a left hook to try and cause that collision as they're circling away along the cage. And he's never defended a low kick in his life. Uh, I, I think Jack Hermanson's jab is probably going to do a lot for him in the fight. Uh, his body work is it's not as prevalent as you'd like it to be, but he does get to the body. And I feel like that's a very strong thing to have against a, a guy that's very tall and is having his first like five round main event in the UFC <laughs> or the first fight. That's probably going to go a few, like a few rounds. If, if Hermanson's winning, I don't think Hermanson's going to get a finish early. I think if he does finish, it'll be after he's, he's worn him down some, because Pfeiffer does seem to be a bit of a sprint guy. Uh, a lot of it's just his fights ending early because he he sets a high pace and that's just a, a good strategy to get early finishes. But Romance has been around the block a few too many times for me to expect that to, to really manifest into much for him. But then again, he is susceptible to getting blown over sometimes. It, it does happen. It's just pretty It's pretty hard. He's, he's a really hard... Uh, you said it when we were talking uh, the other day, kind of a Neil Magny figure in the division. Yeah. Um, but it generally takes a kind of a higher, just like requisite level of like secret source to just throw Jack Hermanson out of the cage. Um, it kind of happened against Roman Delidze, but it was also just kind of some fuck shit. And Roman is strong. Hermanson doesn't really like going against guys that are super physical, and I don't think Pfeiffer's that type of physical that's that's necessarily an issue for, for Hermanson to deal with. Not necessarily. I think he punches pretty fucking hard. Uh, well, I mean, like, grappling-wise. Like, I, don't, I don't think he's, he's yeah. physical like that. Yeah, I just mean, like, who are the guys who have actually just been athletic enough to just walk over Jack Hermanson, like Jared Cannonier and Tiago Santos. Vittori, Tiago, and Jared Cannonier. Marvin Vittori is just a bad finisher, but he did. He walked up to him and just fucking blasted him in the face with a knockdown, then won every round after. Yeah, he's also a southpaw and just a general fucking monolith, which does make him a nightmare for Jack Hermanson. But Jack Hermanson's also gotten better against southpaws. He definitely um, has. And the Sean yeah, Strickland just... fight, it, it was not... Uh, it wasn't like a shit kicking, you know. It was, it was, it was like a pretty measured, steady fight. Yeah, it was just a, it was a steady outboxing by someone who can jab with him and who has really good defensive wrestling and actually dealt with Manson's kicks pretty well. Um, I kind of have to see that to believe it with Joe Pfeiffer. I kind of think as someone as crafty and experienced as Jack Hermanson, who has a great jab and can kind of just move his feet and is comfortable on the back foot, even if he's... It's not like he's a super deep outfighter with great footwork, but he's comfortable doing that and he has pretty great cardio. Um, and he's like a really like sneaky grappler who... Like I say, you really got to have some extra secret source to just like outmuscle and destroy him. 
in in that area. Yeah, being athletic isn't necessary. Like he's a very good athlete in his own right. Just you gotta have like that that fucking real shit to to actually like reliably go up to him and just fucking blast him. Yeah, and if Joe Pfeiffer does that, then he's that guy. Um, but I got to pick Jack Manson by decision or probably like late submission. I also am, am trending towards giving it to Manson. I think Pfeiffer might be able to to box with him. I really, it's it's just a cardio test for me. If he's got good cardio and he can keep up the pace that he goes for three rounds against a guy that's this like like weathered on the feet, like he's. Hermanson's fought some dudes that fucking hit and been fine. You know, he has been finished by probably the two hardest hitters he's fought, but who the fuck hasn't? <laughs> when you look at most of the UFC. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to pick Hermanson with the caveat that I, I do actually think Piper has a good deal for to, to do on the feet against Hermanson. And also, honestly, it's a, it's a good test for him on the ground because... Manson doesn't always just blow through people that he's better than on the ground. Okay, so co-main event is uh, Danny Gay versus Andre Feely. Um, and my immediate thought about this booking is that it just doesn't make sense. Because where is either guy going to go off of this win? The like these are pretty established gatekeeper dudes at this point, and what you can't can't have them fight each other. It's a, it's a fight to see who stays a gatekeeper. Whoever loses has to stop being the gatekeeper. Or whoever loses has to start being the gatekeeper. And the other one gets to go get a, a step up. Still good fight, though. My immediate thought is that Andre Feely, being a guy who's actually like pretty slick at range, but generally you kind of... the The... The flaws in his striking are generally revealed when uh, someone can either really push him back and make him overreact on the back foot, or if someone actually has a ranged advantage and has to force Andre Feely to uh, pressure. Dan Ige kind of will get his ass beaten into pressuring is something that he's capable of doing, but he is more and more settling into this uh, really committed counterpuncher style where he just really wants to make people go first by just showing a bunch of feints. And like in that Damon Jackson fight, it seemed like it was getting to the point where he felt like it was a mistake to throw a punch and miss in order to draw out an exchange. So he just, despite having every advantage in that fight and was beating the shit out of Damon Jackson every time he tried everything... Still, just like you see when he's up in a fight, what he really wants to do, and just really wanted Damon Jackson to go first so he could just uh, nuke him with a clean counter because Danny Gay is just incapable of losing a fight to Damon Jackson. Um, so what if like Andre Feely just has a reasonable reach and height advantage? And kind of just jab and kick him up from range and like just not give Danny Gay exchanges where you can like land the big left hook. Uh, I'm going to say Andre Feely probably wins that fight 
because uh, he can probably also wrestle in this matchup as well. Yeah, Ige really doesn't like people that threaten to make exchanges look ugly. Like, if, if you're just willing to throw same-time counters, you've got an inherent, like, plus one to beating Dan Ige. Because any time that Ige is, is threatened with a counter, he kind of just wants to dip out of the exchange, in, unless it's something that's very telegraphed that he just thinks he can counter. Uh, or, or, like, slip and counter. Because you watch the Damon Jackson fight, pretty much any time Ige gets hit by something, uh, he just stops. He's like, okay, I'm going to wait until you're done. You don't hit enough to hurt me that bad, but I, I'm like not going to waste time missing a defensive re- reaction. It's just going to get kind of like neutralized. It didn't happen because I didn't react to it. But what ends up happening is right before he finishes him, he has like four exchanges consecutively where he just gets fucking hit and, and does absolutely nothing to, to like mitigate it. He just gets punched because he, he's like, oh, he started a combination. I guess I'll wait for him to be done. I could see Andre Feely really beating the fuck out of you for that. Uh, even if you're like getting to him early, Andre Feely will take your turn from you. Uh, like he, he's he's not just gonna like go his turn and then be like oh shit let me get out like he'll he'll take an angle he'll try and counter whatever you come back with he'll he'll fucking mix it up he'll grapple with you or something or grab a nice clinch exchange he, he's just very tricky and he's also very used to fighting and and training with short fighters that are like to mix in wrestling it, it, it's just a it's a tough sell to, for me to think uh you guys gonna because I, I do think they're about the same level of fighter. I just think it's a really bad matchup for Ige. But also, Feely really doesn't like people that can uh, straight punch him through his hooks. He doesn't like people that are good at countering exchanges uh, repeatedly and you know keeping up with him uh, chin for chin because Ige's got a fucking great chin. And Feely has a really good chin. But the I, th- I do think that Ige... I think if a knockout happens, it's probably Ige winning, you know? Yeah, here's the thing. I do think Dan Ige probably has a pronounced pocket advantage and uh, he is certainly the more likely one to get a knockout uh, in a 50-50 exchange. But I'm just like, how much can Dan Ige actually proactively make those exchanges happen against someone who actually just wants to stay away from him and can win at a longer distance uh, and can also probably hit reactive takedowns and get good amounts of top control or take the back because Andre Feely's like the best control wrestler to ever come out of Team Alpha Male. Is that I, I, I'm going to say all this with the caveat that I think Danny Gay probably wins the third round because I don't think he's going to get finished because nobody finishes Danny Gay. And... He normally figures out what he actually needs to do later on in fights when he's been getting his ass beat. Like, he does a lot better in the later rounds in the Korean Zombie and Calvin Cater fights. And um, I think if he's just getting torched for the, for the first two rounds, he's going to come out in the third round doing what he should have done from the first. But if he doesn't get a knockout in that round, I just, I, I really, I think this is a really hard matchup for Danny Gay. Well, I could also see Ige coming out hot in the first round and, uh, and just like landing a good shot on Feely and, and having Feely on his on his toes from the beginning, and then Feely kind of working his way back into the fight, and then Ige winning the third round, like you said. 
So I, I do think the first round is really important for Ige because he needs to get some momentum because Feely's just a lot more reliable to keep pressing his advantages throughout the entire length of a fight, whereas Ige takes a lot of breaks. And uh, isn't a great finisher himself. No, no, he's not. Uh, he, he's good at knocking someone out if he can land a really fucking hard shot on them, but if you're someone you've got a trite, he's he's going to... It would it'd take him like 10 rounds to finish Korean Zombie, you know? Like, like if that fight had continued on, it would have taken him an extra five rounds of beating up a very elderly, and and maybe he would get submitted if it, if it just kept going on instead of uh, going to a five round decision. Ige is he's he just has bad instincts for for what to do after he's hurt someone. A lot of it's it's take a pause and find out what they're doing. He's like, oh, what am I gonna do? He resets way too much, and he wants every exchange to look really nice yeah and he also you can tell that he does tape because there's there's a part in it where he very specifically tries to do what Tapuria did to damon jackson he like tries the exact shot yeah but you say does tape he 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 tries he tries the move from the highlight yeah i mean that's something you know at least he's watching where his opponents lose uh but he tries the same shot and it just looks like ass <laughs> Like his mechanics on a lot of things are pretty good, but whenever he he's doing a, a throwaway or a setup, it does not disguise very well. Uh, at least from an outside perspective, maybe when fighting him, you can't tell the difference. But it, it, it you can very much tell if, if he's about to to like throw an arm punch just to set up a, a big punch right after, because the the uppercut to the body right before the left hook on that fight just, just like put me off in, in a weird way. But it, it does speak to a major problem in, in his fighting style that can kind of get him ex- exploited in this type of matchup where someone's got, you know, like three inches more range to punch him from. Because generally he doesn't have too many problems fighting tall fighters defensively uh, whenever he realizes he needs to be defensive. I'm going to pick uh, Andre Feely by decision. Yeah, although Andre Feely is actually a pretty good finisher when he hurts people. He is. I, I just don't expect him to hurt. Mixes up the body head well as well and the and the uh the right hand head kick switch up. Danny Gay spends way too much time just kind of fucking around at a longer range trying to pick stuff off. You can try and defend too much and then just get kicked in the head. Shit happens. Yeah, Dan Ige watches tape. Andre Feely watches Muay Thai highlights. You know, Andre Feely will throw a fucking knee and then throw a right straight as he stomps his leg back down. I could see something like that really messing with Ige because Ige likes to take super exaggerated dips whenever in the pocket. Uh, and it, it doesn't bother him too much when he's against someone shorter that's also getting really low in the pocket. But against Feely, he likes to lean back and, and like throw things up or, or pull his head out of the way and go for uppercuts. Also got a really nice like like right hooker cut that he loves to intercept people with when they step in on him. So maybe maybe Feely can can get an, uh, a finish, but probably not. If if uh, Calvin Cater and Josh Emmett did do it, then it's, it's uh, unlikely. Um, Ihor Potiera. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's fighting. I'm not. Gonna- Robert Bricksek. I, I I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but uh, the he, he's the, this fight should be 
Okay. I don't know very much about uh, Robert Brickick, but Ivor uh, Potiera is good. Or he, he's good at be, having fun fights. He's not like a particularly good fighter, but he's normally entertaining. Uh, yeah, Brad Tavares fighting Gregory Rodriguez. I think Brad Tavares is going to get wiped out because he's old and uh, Gregory, Rodri- Gregory Rodriguez has got hands. Maybe. Uh, Brad Tavares also still got pretty good takedown defense. And Gregory Rodriguez does not like getting jabbed when he's trying to throw a combination. Yeah, no, I mean, just was Brad Tavares going to get the first knockout of his UFC career against Gregory Rodriguez? I mean, there there is a precedent. What What's the precedent? <laughs> Bobby Green versus Alaya Quinta? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's like a an overall meta thing. It's easier if I just don't explain it. That's fine. You, you just got to feel it. That's fine. Um, Michael Johnson fighting Darius Flowers. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Guy just debuted in the UFC. He's athletic and does violence and can't wrestle. And Michael Johnson hasn't wrestled since he was in the Tough House. He absolutely loves fighting someone shorter than him, though. He has been knocked out by two of them recently. But that doesn't mean he doesn't like the experience. <laughs> Like, like he's in, he's having a good success and enjoying the fight up until he's knocked out. So I, I don't think Darius Flowers has a particular advantage just by being five uh, nine to Michael Johnson's, I, I believe, five eleven. Michael, Michael Johnson's not that tall, is he? Five ten, five ten. Yeah, I got I, I got to pick Michael Johnson uh, with this much of an experience differential against a guy who isn't a really dedicated wrestler or grappler. Just uh, kind of an inexperienced banger, unless he just uh, clubs Michael Johnson because Michael Johnson just got knocked out absolutely horribly. I'm going to pick Darius Flowers to do a right overhand. Yeah, I think Darius Flowers is going to win by right overhand. Maybe left. I mean, you got anything else you want to touch on? Well, Rodolfo Vieira versus Armand Petrosian is pretty cool. It's all right. I guess it, like, it, it tells me where they're at. And Loma Lupumi is fighting Bruno Brazil. That should be. Uh, fun-ish. I like Loma Lukbumi getting booked against strikers who aren't very good. Why is the first fight on the card Daniel Marcos versus Arichi Lang? That fight's going to bang. Start off with a bang. I mean, fair. I, I think it more speaks to them overrating the other fighters on the card more so than underrating these ones. What, they think Devin Clark versus Marcin Pragnio is going to go hard as a motherfucker? That fight, it probably will. Uh, that fight's going to suck, dude. <laughs> Mar- it's going to be unenjoyable but it's gonna be like a, a intense fight Martin Pragnio goes life and death with anyone he goes death with them most of the time uh, it, like the William Knight fight people forget that that was a fucking that was a brawl or he tra- he thought it was he really felt like he was in a brawl yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think Max Griffin is probably gonna beat Jeremiah Wells I agree that's fine. I'm going to end, end the podcast on that. I will catch you guys next week. Well, we got actually good MMA to talk about. So that should be fun. Peace. Later. <laughs>